Welcome to our morning service. Uh, it's a great privilege today to have a well-known face amongst us, Donnie McLeod, who will be preaching uh, to us this morning. So I now hand over to Donnie, and uh, it's a real p- pleasure to have him with us here today. Well, thank you very much, Duncan, for the warm welcome, and it's a privilege indeed to be here with you again to share in this time of worship. Let's unite in prayer. Gracious Lord, we do want to come before you and still our hearts in your presence. We come before the King of Kings, one who is Lord of Lords, the one who reigns and rules over all. We come with grateful hearts. We come, we trust with joy in our hearts as we come into your presence. We come to worship. You are the one who is worthy of all worship and of all praise. And as we come, we pray that we would have that true spirit of worship. We are commanded to come and worship God in spirit and in truth. We ask that you would take away all distractions from us. We're so easily distracted. Thoughts come to us and take our mind off where it should be. We pray against those distractions and we would be fully focused on the one thing that is needful, fully focused on why we are here and what we are doing while we're here. So, Lord, help us, we pray. Thank you for everyone who has been able to come and join together in this time of worship. We pray that you would just bless us and help us in our various walks of life and needs. We thank you that you know every detail. We ask that you would is draw us into your near presence, that we would sense that God has drawn near to us. So we give thanks. May all that's done be acceptable in your sight, that you would help us as we speak and listen, that your spirit would move among us this day afresh. Thank you for the younger people. Lord, bless and encourage them, and that they would grow to know Jesus and that you would lead them in the paths of righteousness all the days of their lives. Lord, we pray for others gathered like we are today that the word would go forth in a demonstration of the Spirit and in power that a great work would be done. Remember the minister here, David, as he takes services over in North Hughes today that he would be so conscious of your presence with him that he would know that freedom that comes from the Spirit of God. Bless your people as they gather throughout these islands, throughout Scotland, throughout our land. We ask that you would uphold all who uphold faithfully the truth and that this might be a great day for the gospel and that your name would be glorified Cleanse us from sin and help us through, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for all these young people and those who have gone out to to teach them. And we pray for them, that your hand would be upon them, that your protection would be round and about them, and that you would guide and lead them all the way through their lives. Help them to have a a good and a blessed and a fruitful time 
as they meet together today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to turn and read from God's Word now from the book of Acts, chapter 4, and we'll read the first 31 verses of this chapter. Acts 4, 1 to 31. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John and, because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And as the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or in what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men? they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be judges. As for us, We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. 
You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Amen. We pray that God would bless this reading of his word. Let's pray again. Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is, is quick and is powerful. It's a living word. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. May it be this to us in a very real way this day. It's the word that you have given to us. May we take heed to what your word is saying. We want to pray, O Lord, for many who do not have the privilege that we have of meeting like this. There's many today that are being persecuted and they're meeting in secret and there's many gone through hardships and trials and been mistreated because of their love for you. We pray for the persecuted church. We ask that you would watch over your own people, that you would keep them strong, that they'd be made very conscious of the Lord so near to them, just surrounding them with your loving arms and upholding them in their time of trouble. We pray, O Lord, for the ongoing desperate situation in Ukraine. Lord, we long that we would hear that an end has come to this desperate destruction and loss of life and agony and pain that so many are suffering, elderly and young people, mothers. Oh, Lord, we pray. Have mercy, we ask you. Bring this war to an end, we ask. We pray, O Lord, for the work of Cornerstone and our dear sisters who have come here today, and we pray that you would uphold them in the work that they are doing to honor and glorify your name. And as they share later, may they know your strength and help in all that they seek to do to bring glory to your name, to further your cause through the work of adoption and all that that means. We we thank you that there is such people who and such families and couples that can advance this work and seek, seek to stand firm in it. And we pray for your help. We ask you, Lord, for the blessing of your word as it goes forth. We pray for those who are not able to be here today. 
We ask that you would draw close to them, those who are not well. Grant them your help. Those who are elderly and they're not able to meet together, we pray that you would draw close and that they would know the presence of God and your, your, your strength for them day by day. For all who might tune in online today, we, we ask that together we would experience your touch. We pray for those who have been bereaved and feeling the, the pain of loss. We ask that you would draw very close to them and that they would experience day by day the God of all comfort. Advance the cause. Thank you for these days of gospel mission that we're involved in up there in South Locks and for your help in that and for the encouragements even that we've experienced during this for the first week of mission and as we continue on tonight and through this week. We pray that there yet might be a harvest of souls that will be brought in for such a time as this that you alone can do. So we pray, Lord, for your rich blessing to accompany all that's done. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but only God can give the increase. And this is our prayer, O Lord, for the increase. Our prayer Today is for souls to come, to be brought in, out of the darkness, into the marvelous light. Oh Lord, we long for it. We pray to you that you would have mercy, cleanse us and keep us from sin. Help us through the rest of this time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to turn back to the passage we've I've already read and share from this passage with God's help. Just want to say thank you for those who are able to pray for us in the work. We appreciate that very much indeed. We're knowing God's help and blessing over there in South Locks. There's many more people coming along to the mission than I would have expected to come and it's so good to see people coming, people from the area coming in, people coming from different parts of the island and just enjoying God's presence and his spirit moving and encouraging each other in the Lord. Pray on please. We're encouraged so far and we look forward to this second week of mission and looking to the Lord for his rich blessing to rest upon his word as it is preached, as this simple gospel preached night by night. So thank you for your partnership in the gospel. It means a lot to us. The verses I want to look at today from this part of God's word in chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Of course, there's a quote from Psalm 118, the psalm we were just singing. Verses 22 and 23 says, The stone the builders rejected 
has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Of course, the background to, the, to this uh, passage is just the chapter before, where the story we're well acquainted with, where the, the, the lame beggar was brought to the gate of the temple daily, the temple gate that was called Beautiful, and he was there begging. He couldn't work in these days, so the people were brought. And it was a natural thing, and it's a thing that happened, that people were brought to the temple gate, and there they begged, and the people going up and into the temple would have given them money to help them to, to live and to get food and to ease life and make life a little more easy for them. And that would have been quite a common thing, and he could have been one of a number of people who were there uh, at the gate. But of course, when Peter and John arrived along, he was asking for alms, and they fixed their, their gaze onto him, and the man would have looked at them thinking, yes, I'm going to get something here. And of course, he never got what he was looking for. He never got what he thought he needed, but he got what he actually needed. They said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I do have, I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he rose up, and he walked, and he went into the temple, and he was walking, and he was leaping, and he was praising God, and the people were amazed. And then a whole discussion arose about this, as you can well imagine. And they were looking at Peter and John, as if it was by their power or something that, that they actually had, that this man was made well. And Peter said, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As through, though by our own power or piety, we have made this man walk. It's in his name, by faith in his name, this man was made strong, whom you see. And so, we read, picked up the reading there in, in chapter 4. And as they were speaking, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. And they were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. But we read that many who heard the word believed about 5,000 men. And they asked this question, by what power or by what name did you do this? And in verse 8, chapter 4, we read, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We could almost end there, because there is the gospel, and it's clear, and it was made clear to them, 
And as we read the word of God, which is the best thing we can do, the scriptures, there it's clear for us today. But just a few thoughts. Under three headings, first of all, I want to think a little bit about this cornerstone. What is the cornerstone? Then I want to think, secondly, about the builder's sin. And thirdly, the Savior's glory. So first of all, the cornerstone. What was the stone or the cornerstone? I looked up the dictionary, which is always a, not a bad thing to do. And it said it's something that is essential, indispensable, or basic. The chief foundation on which something is constructed or developed. Something of great importance on which everything else Depends. The most important stone in the building in ancient times. It was the stone at the the corner of, of two walls coming away from two walls. The stone that united these two walls. It was the most costly stone because of its beauty and strength. It was also the largest and most carefully constructed. And it was visible in the corner of the building and at the foundation, and it was the starting point of all future building. And of course, Jesus Christ is this stone. In Psalm 40, we read about the solid rock, don't we? That he put my feet on a solid rock when we were sinking in sin. It's described as in the, in the mud and the mire when we were without hope. That he, you know, so many people today are under the impression that, that they have to do something to gain acceptance with God. But when we look at this psalm, it makes it very clear that we can never do that, no matter how hard we try, because we're sinking. But it says, He lifted me. See, it's Him. And he set my feet on a rock, Christ Jesus. And he put a new song in my heart. My friend today, if you are struggling, trying to work it out yourself, please stop. Because you will never, ever do it. But come to Jesus Christ. Because he alone can so, this stone, the life of every true Christian, is built on Jesus Christ. We spoke about the wise and the foolish builders, didn't we? And the storms will come. Yes, they will come. And there will be that final storm will come. The storm of death. What do we have to hold on to, to stand firm on if we don't have Jesus. We're just like the running sand that will be washed away. Everything that we've tried to do ourselves, every good deed that we think might have given us acceptance with God, it'll be like that running sand. It'll just be washed away. And we'll fall with a great crash and be lost in a lost eternity forever. But 
It's so different when you know Jesus Christ. He is the solid rock. When the storms come, we have an anchor for our soul that is sure and steadfast, that can never be broken or taken away. He is that cornerstone. Wonder, today is he the foundation of your life? Have you put your trust in him? Are you depending on him alone for your salvation? When you do and when you are, he is that solid rock. Be encouraged. I want to think secondly about this builder's sin. We're told very clearly that they, re- they rejected this stone. In First Peter 2.4 we read, As you come to him a living, a living, a living stone, Rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Jesus is given by God, has been given by God, chosen and precious. See, there was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. This wonderful, glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, think of who is being rejected. Think of the one that perhaps there's someone here and, and you are rejecting him. You haven't received him by faith as your Savior. This Jesus was chosen by God and he's precious. And yet, the majority of people have rejected the Savior. And maybe there's someone listening today, or even someone here, and it's you. You have rejected him, the one who is chosen and precious. This stone was thrown to the side. These builders were the Jewish religious leaders of the time. Building, of course, is the the church, the people of God, and Christ has to be the foundation. The cornerstone has to be the foundation, the rock on which the church is built. He is that essential part, the foundation on which every other stone must rest. And the church, of course, is never the... It's not the building. It's not the bricks or the blocks that make a building. The church is the people of God. Those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior, those who can say today... My, my, my hope and my trust is in him. He is my solid rock. And he is the foundation on which every other stone, every life, must be built by faith in Jesus Christ. He is the essential part. Anyone whose life is not firmly built on Christ is not part of the true church of God, the people of God, Because those are the people at the end of the day that he will bring to himself in heaven those who have put their trust in him. But he was rejected. Seen as not suitable. These builders, they couldn't get this stone fitting in. They threw it to the side. This Jesus didn't fit in. Did not please them. No place. You see, that's so true today, isn't it? 
People have their own agendas. People want to do their own thing. They don't want this Jesus coming into their life. We want to go on in our lives and yes, we, we sort of want to have him where we want to have him. Maybe at arm's length we might just include him a little bit here or there, but he's not like Paul knew him when he said, for me to live is Christ. And when we know Jesus Christ, he is our life. He, he lives within us. You know, when you go around, the majority of people don't know Jesus Christ. Even on these islands today, you just have to go around from door to door, knocking on doors and speaking to people, to know that the majority of people don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Many people will say, I'm not interested. Many people will say, it's not for me. This is not for me. I've lost count the number of times I've heard that. Even on the island of Lewis. It's not for me. If people would only realize that they are rejecting Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, the one that can make the not just a difference, but all the difference in their lives. But people don't want him. And that's nothing new. You see, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. They wanted to do away with him. They nailed him to a cross. The builder's sin was that they rejected Jesus. The cornerstone rejected the only one by which they must be saved. Have you rejected him? I want to go on to the third point, finally, the Savior's glory. In verse 10 of this chapter we read, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. He rose again. Yes, they thought, well, that's rid of him. We've got rid of him forever. And maybe there's people, and there's so many people, because they think, well, it's not for me. I don't want him. I'll have nothing more to do with him. How wrong. Because the reality is this. We will all one day stand before him, the judge of all the earth. So don't think that by rejecting him, we will never have anything more to do with him. We will all stand before him. But here is the one. Yes, he rose again. Victorious over sin and death. In 1 Corinthians 5, 56, 15, 56, we read, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is this living stone, and he will reign forever and ever. Think of what he did so that people like you and me could be saved, that sinners and deserving sinners could be saved and made new in him. 
He died there. He suffered the agony of Calvary. Even before he reached the cross, he, he prayed in the garden. And we read that his sweat became great, great drops of blood. He was so much, much in anguish even to the point of death before he even reached the cross. He did it for you and for me. Yeah, every lashing of that whip he took. He took it because he loved the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his son the shame that he suffered, the scoffing that he suffered, the nails as they were hammered into his hands and his feet. He did it all for you, this one who was chosen and precious. But more than that, he bore your sin when you come to him and when you know him. He bore the wrath of God, the punishment that sinners deserve. He was willing to take it upon himself so that you and I could go free, gloriously free. He was forsaken. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he did it for you and he did it for me. He died on the cross and it was for sinners he did that. For undeserving sinners. For the worst of sinners. For those that even rejected him. He he died for people like that. So that we could come. So that we could be saved. So that we could know. A sure and solid foundation. To our lives. Which is Jesus. Jesus. Who delivers us. From the wrath to come. Oh there will be wrath. Sin will be punished. And if we go through life rejecting Jesus. And continue to reject him. And the reality from God's word is. That we will take this punishment. And we will suffer it forever and ever. In all eternity. It's a desperate thought. When it doesn't have to be like that. And there is a wonderful Savior who's chosen and he's precious. And he can be precious to you. This one who was rejected. No place for him. I spoke about the church. The one that was condemned. It had to be knocked down. There's so many lives. And they're broken lives. Broken because of sin. Friends, it doesn't have to be like that. In Perth, a lovely new church was built with a proper foundation. And you know, that can be you today. You can know a relationship with Jesus Christ that will give you a new heart and a right spirit within you. That the old can be gone, passed away, and that all things can become new. As the little chorus says, I am a new creation, no more in condemnation. Here, in the grace of God, I stand. It can be that for you today. Perhaps you have been rejecting. You've sat under the word many times and you've left without Jesus Christ as your Savior. Our friend, come to him. 
Come to him today. Come and put your trust in him. And that you will know that as you go through life. And yes the storms will come. And when that final storm comes. You need not fear. As the psalm says. Even though I walk through the valley. Of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why could the psalmist say that? Because of the next line. Because you are with me. And that's what you know when you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can say, but he is with me. And that's his promise. We mightn't always feel it. Oh, there'll be times when we'll feel alone. And there are times when we'll feel a struggle. But we stand on the promises of God. He said, I will be with you. Our friends, you see, here is God's word. There is no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. Will you put your hope and your trust firmly in him today if you have never done so before. Oh Lord, we pray that you would bless your word to us. We ask that you would help us to understand it and what, what has come from your word. Would, you, would it be mixed up with faith in our hearts that you would help us, Lord. We know that there's an enemy wants to snatch it away. There's an enemy wants to tell us today there's tomorrow or there's another day. But your word tells us today, now is the acceptable time. Today, O oh Lord, we thank you that you are patient. We thank you that you are a God of grace and mercy. And we thank you, Lord, that you are calling sinners to yourself. And when we come, you will never turn us away. Help us to come. Maybe there's someone here today who needs to come afresh to you, to the cross. Help us, O oh Lord, to, to know the reality of a close walk with yourself, that our lives we would be sure and certain that we can say on Christ, the solid rock I stand, because all other ground is sinking sand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.